Welcome to Get Your Goal with Paula B. I'm your host, Paula B. I'm a weight loss and menopause expert, certified life coach, and author of the book, Mind Over Menopause. On this podcast, we dive deep into the mindset tools and proven Get Your Goal formula that will help you lose weight for the last time. Are you ready to get your goal? Me too. Let's go. Hello, hello, girlfriend. Welcome to episode number 305. You guys, today we are talking about something that I get asked about all the time. And just in case you're wondering, that is actually where I get all of my ideas for podcasts. When you guys ask me questions, either on Facebook, like in my Facebook group or on my Facebook page, sometimes on Instagram, although I don't get as many questions on Instagram, I occasionally get questions on my YouTube channel, but also in my webinars, in my monthly live trainings. I always make room for Q&A at the end, and I never have enough time to answer all of the questions because you guys have so many great questions. So what I often do is I'll go through afterwards and find the ones that I get asked really commonly, and then I make podcast episodes out of them. So this is a question that I get asked all the time. And I'll be honest, I feel like I have answered this one, I'm going to say publicly, like on one of the Q&As maybe a really long time ago. And I feel like I didn't really do it justice. So I sat down today with some notes about how to count the calories in your homemade meals. By the way, that is the title of today's episode. So I wanted to give you not just the actual, like, here is exactly how to do this, but the why you do it this way and why it's so important that you do it at all. Because like everything we talk about, truly everything we talk about, there is a practical answer. I mean, there is always a step-by-step process of here's how to do this thing, but just following the step-by-step while feeling nothing but like resistance and doubt and this is never going to work for me, is what actually creates the it not working for you. This is why, I mean, I'm getting a little bit off topic because that's what I do, but this is why you will find somebody who has been able to lose weight with every single program ever, and you will also find somebody who has not been able to lose weight with that exact same program. It's not the process, it's your mindset. And I don't say that like any kind of like blame or shame or anything like, oh, it's you. I mean, it's you. This is great news. It means that when you pay attention to what's going on in your brain, it actually means that you can make everything work for you. Everything. Everything. I know. It's kind of amazing, right? By the way, if you are just listening to the podcast, I'm like all up in your business on the actual video of this one. And if you haven't heard yet, I am making video podcasts now. It is something that I was going to say that I was trying it for a while. I'm beyond trying. We are six episodes in and I am loving it. I'm having a great time with it. As you can see, if you are watching, I just like rearranged my background yesterday over the weekend because I'm recording this on a Monday. And I'm super happy with having my nice bookshelves displaying everything because I was like, okay, well, if we're making the podcast a thing, then I want to make sure it looks good behind me. Anyways, let's talk about how to count the calories in your homemade meals. Here is the five-step process. You, if you have counted the calories in your homemade meals, have probably done three of the five steps but all five are really important. Step number one is to take each ingredient one by one and add up the entire meal. Here's what I mean. Like 
literally lay out every single thing. I'm going to give you the example of cottage pie because it is A, one of my favorite meals in the entire world, and B, kind of easy. I don't have exact numbers for you. Gosh, I have an old video on YouTube from a really long time ago, and I will make sure that it's in the show notes where I gave some of like my favorite meals and made them for you and talked about how you could make all the serving sizes work for you and such like that. So in any event, it's really simple. It's ground beef or ground lamb, depending on where you live. But the way that I make it, it's ground beef with, of course, you have some olive oil or whatever kind of oil to like do the beef, some onions, some spices, a bag of peas and carrots, and the way that I make it, (laughs) a bag, which isn't really a bag, but it's a packet, uh, the family size packet of mashed potatoes, instant mashed potatoes. I'm laughing to myself because I vividly remember when I made that video, I was so embarrassed. I was like, this is like the simplest meal in the whole entire world. People loved it. And also some people didn't love it so much. Some people were like, I can't believe you don't just mash potatoes. They're really easy. Here you are showing processed foods. You're so unhealthy. All the jibber jabber. In any event, it's particularly easy because of how packaged that one is. And it's why I offer it to you as this example for how to kind of dip your toes in the water. If you are making, let's say, like some kind of a casserole or something, as many items as you can that come in boxes or bags or with some kind of like nutrition label on it, it will be easier to have those nutrition labels. Now, of course, you can always Google everything else. Like truly, Google exists for a reason and it's this. (laughs) Google exists to help you count your calories. When you Google, you can put in any kind of food, any kind of anything. You can simply take the number one option because it tends to be the most popular for a reason. You can also go through, sometimes if I'm really not sure, I'll go through like the first page or even two pages of Google and I'll go to a couple of different calorie calculators and see like what they're talking about and if they're really talking about the exact food that I mean and kind of get an idea for like a range of calories so that you can make an educated guess. Here's the truth of it. Calories are always a guess. I know you didn't think that. I know that because we have been so trained to look at nutrition labels, you're like, no, sometimes we know exactly how many calories are in something. And no, we don't. Every single food in the world has its own version of how many calories it has the potential of having. And also, your body digests it in your own body's personal special snowflake way, which means that even if we could calculate the exact number of calories in the food, it doesn't mean that's how many of them you are absorbing and using and storing and having the way that it is intended. There's a larger conversation to be had here about how problematic the word calories actually is because we think about it in one way, but calories are actually quite a few things. There's the potential of energy. There's the way the energy is stored in your body. And then there is the exporting of the energy, meaning the use of the energy. And we use the word calories for like all of it in any event. Knowing that you are always giving your best estimate while you are counting calories can be really helpful here because it can help quiet some of the chatter about that's not precise enough. We're actually going to get to that a little bit later. Anyways, you're going to add up 
all of the calories for the entire meal. Depending on how many people you're cooking for, this might be anywhere from two to, you know, 10 servings, depending on what you personally make. So then step two is to divide that total for the whole recipe by the number of servings you usually serve. This is really important because one of the questions that I get asked a lot is, but how many servings is it supposed to be? There's no answer there. It's not supposed to be any number of servings. You make an amount and then you divide that amount by as many servings as you want to. And you can divide in any way that you want to. Maybe you divide by here's one scoop, or maybe you divide by here's, you know, if I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm imagining like a nine by 13 tray, like I would cut that into, what would that be? Half this way and probably four this way, like eight servings of a thing. Or it could be like a lot more servings of that thing, depending on if you're making zucchini bread or if you're making tater tot casserole. So, which both get served in a nine by 13 pan if you're in my house. <laughs> in any event, you will serve it up the way you normally serve it and divide by that many servings. Whatever number you get there is the number for a portion, meaning the portion that you would normally serve. I don't know why I used air quotes on that one. If you were listening to the podcast, you didn't hear air quotes because I didn't say it like air quotes because normally is really what I meant there. I actually meant normally. There is no standard by which you have to divide. For example, when I was talking about my pound of ground beef, my bag of peas and carrots, and my family size packet of mashed potatoes to make cottage pie, I could divide that by two if I wanted to. It would be a lot of calories. I could divide that by nothing. It could all be one serving. That would also be a lot of calories. I could also, as is the case in my family, divide that by six because generally speaking, generally speaking, this is the way that I personally cook. There are four of us in the house, so I usually make six servings of a thing so that four of us can eat and then two of us can have leftovers either for lunch or for when we have leftover night in a couple of nights. So for me personally, most of my recipes are going to be divided by six, but not all of them. For you personally, depending on how many people you are used to cooking for, you divide it whatever way you normally would so that you can get a portion amount. Then here's step three. You adjust your personal serving to meet your calorie target for the day. So once you know what an amount is, you can decide, oh, is this what I have room for in my day or not? Do I need to add to it or do I need to subtract from it? It doesn't have to be the same portion size as everybody else. It doesn't even have to be a portion size that you would normally serve it in. You get to figure out how many amounts or portions or an amount of a portion <laughs> fits into your calories today. This is why this is such a beautiful system. There is no standard. You can always, always, always make any food at any time fit into your personal calorie target. I think about this all the time. You know those pizza slices from Costco? I don't usually eat pizza from Costco. It's not my favorite. I have a couple of favorites and Costco is just not one of them. But apparently, I was really shocked to hear this. Apparently, one slice of Costco pizza is like 880 calories. You can verify that. I haven't had pizza at Costco in a really long time. That feels different than what I was expecting. In any event, apparently, one slice is 880 calories. 
And so I had this conversation with somebody quite some time ago. She's like, oh, so I just don't eat that pizza. I'm like, you can eat that pizza, cut it in half. 440 calories is about as many calories as I would have for most of my meals. And the conversation ensued about how, but then that's not enough. And then I'll feel restricted because it's only half a slice. There's a conversation to be had here about how the number of calories that you eat is actually satisfying to your body because it's the amount of energy that you need. It's your brain that needs to get on board. And in any event, that's actually what we're going to talk about here in the next step. Step number four is to notice all the resistance you have to this process. Notice the berating that you have of yourself, the uncertainty that you have, the, oh my goodness, this is so ridiculous thoughts that you have. This is impossible. I don't know how to do this. That can't be accurate. If I can't get it perfect, it's not worth it. This is stupid. I'll never be able to do this for all of the recipes that I make, but I make it different every time. So do I have to do this every time? This is way too much of a hassle. This is taking too long, etc. All of the chitter chatter all of it. Notice that. Notice that it's there. Here's the thing that's going to set you free. Notice that the chitter chatter is in your brain. And that is why this process feels difficult. It's not the process itself. The process, it's three steps. It was really simple. You get all your ingredients, you add them up, you divide. It's actually really a lot of freedom. You get to divide by anything you want. You make the portion size work for you, no matter what food you're eating. The process itself is actually kind of amazing. It's actually kind of miraculous. It's actually really empowering. And yet none of us think it is. (laughs) I'll put myself in that category too. I remember when I was making that video, actually it was before I was making that video, because by the time I had made that video, was after I had lost weight this last time when I was in my 50s. And when I lost weight the last time in my 50s, I went about it in a really particular way. I just decided that I was going to eat the same thing for breakfast and lunch every single day, which I kind of did anyway. So that part of the decision wasn't very difficult, but I wanted to make sure that I was eating the right number of calories every night. So I went through my like my recipe book, which is not really a recipe book. It's just in my head. But the, the kinds of recipes that we make all the time, I went through each of those and I did this exact process where I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out how many calories and I didn't memorize any of them. Otherwise, I would tell you how many calories are in cottage pie. But I went through and I figured out all of the calories for basically every single thing that I make. And I figured out exactly what my portion would be of any of those recipes so that no matter what, I always knew that I was eating my target number of calories every single day, no matter what I was eating. As it happens, as it happens, I don't go out to eat a lot. It's not really my favorite thing. I love my own cooking. It's very easy for me to cook at home. It feels simpler, actually, for me to cook at home than it does to go out. So for me, this felt really simple anyways. But when I was doing that process, when I was like doing all the math, like I literally sat down one day and did like all the math for all the recipes. It took hours <laughs> and there was a lot of chitter chatter. This step for all the resistance, all of the berating and uncertainty. And is this really how I would make it? And what if I just like pour the oil in instead of measuring it and blah, 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 blah. It happens to all of us. Then here's the most important part. Step five, observe the feelings that those thoughts create. This is so important. And it is the skill that this entire podcast is about. Here's what you're going to have to do when all the chitter chatter starts in your head. In order to simply observe, 
you're going to have to take yourself up and out of it. This is actually a skill you are born with. It's called metacognition. It's something that we talk about pretty frequently here on the podcast. It is the skill of observing your thoughts as thoughts. It is an innate skill, meaning that you are born with it. Your brain is supposed to operate this way. It's just that nobody ever teaches us this. We hear the thoughts in our head and we really think they're facts. We really think they're true. We really think everything we hear is simply the way it is. And yet we also have the ability to observe that we are thinking. We have the ability to observe what's in our brain. It's amazing. And it is the way that you get anything you want. If you did not have this ability, you would be quite literally at the mercy of anything your brain thinks anything your body feels. You would simply go through those motions all day, every day, which is what a lot of us do until we get taught how to use this skill. This skill of simply observing without acting is the thing that takes you to your goal. The thing. The end. Podcast is over, (laughs) but not really. (laughs) Because what I'm going to tell you is that It won't feel natural. Even though this is something you were born with, even this is the way that your brain is supposed to work, it will feel really unnatural. It will also feel really uncomfortable. You are going to have to be gentle but firm with yourself as your brain and your body try desperately to get you not to do this. Because your brain, okay, your brain's going to offer you lots of Lots of chitter chatter, lots of back talk, lots of berating and lots of judgments, lots of self-doubts because your brain wants to say the same. Your brain just wants to continue doing the things that you have always done because it's efficient. You will use less energy when you just keep thinking the things that you have always thought. So anytime you do something new, why in order to do something new, you have to think something new. Anytime you are doing something new, your brain's got back talk about that. No, we shouldn't do this. This is too much. This is a lot. This is too difficult. This is dumb. This will take too long. This is too hard. Blah, 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 blah. None of that is true. All of that is simply an effort on your brain's part to keep thinking what it used to think to not use any extra energy. That's the only thing that's going on here. And in order to observe that, because here's what happens, you have those thoughts, those thoughts create feelings in your body. Those feelings are gonna be really uncomfortable. Self-doubt, really uncomfortable. Judgment, really uncomfortable. Wondering if you're doing the wrong thing, really uncomfortable. So you're going to have the jitter chatter in your head. You're going to have the jitters in your body And you, the observer of this all, are going to have to be really gentle and firm with yourself to just observe, to not quit and walk away or to not try and solve for this problem as though it is a problem by making it even easier than it is because it's already pretty easy. You're going to have to simply allow this to be what it is. I know. I know. <laughs> it feels like terrible advice, especially especially for you, my overachiever friend. I know you'd like to do something about that. I know you would like to make yourself think positively or do something. I mean, I'm pounding my hand in my or my fist in my hand here. Like, I know. This idea of observing without action feels like the exact opposite of everything you would ever want to do ever. And it kind of feels like the exact opposite of every way that you have ever gotten everything ever. 
And I feel you on that one. I do. I really do. Everything in my life and everything in your life, you've just worked harder. You've just pushed harder. You've just tried a little bit more or a little bit different. You've just used willpower. You've just gritted your teeth and put your head down and ground it out. However, this new skill that I offer you here will actually set you free. The essential skills that you were learning, there's actually two of them. Number one was something that I kind of skimmed over at the very beginning, but it's one of the things that you're going to hear a lot of resistance to. Individualizing things that your brain would rather categorize, which is saying like your brain really wants to just look at the recipe and be like, well, I don't know how many calories are in that whole thing, but there's always ingredients. I mean, like there's literally always ingredients and you can just count them and enumerate them. I mean, this is actually how your brain is supposed to work. Your brain actually really wants to categorize everything. Your brain would always rather look at the big picture. It would always rather smooth over and look at a category of things. Asking yourself to look at one individual item at a time will serve you in a myriad of ways, but this is one of them. Looking at each individual ingredient, figuring out This is a pound of ground beef. Go into the Google saying, how many calories in a pound of ground beef? Looking at the number, deciding if that actually works for you. Not really works for you. That's not the word I was trying to come up with. It's relevant to you. That's what I was trying to say. Because, I mean, depending on which kind of ground beef you buy, is this actually the number? You might have to go to a couple of different websites, but you're going to just stay on that one item, ground beef. Then you're going to individually look up the exact kind of olive oil. If you use olive oil, I keep saying that because I do. The exact olive oil that you use. Exactly how many tablespoons are you really putting in your pan? You're going to measure it out. You're going to think about that one ingredient. You're going to have the number of calories for that one ingredient. Then you're going to think about the spices that you use. You're going to look at them one at a time. You're going to think about the onion. How big of an onion? How small of an onion have I actually measured? Is it really a half a cup of onion? Is it three quarters of a cup of onion? You're going to look up that on Google. You're going to figure out exactly how many calories are in that. Then you can actually just look on the package if you use frozen peas and carrots like I do. You can look at exactly how many calories are in the entire bag. Sometimes I don't use the whole bag though. If I use two thirds of the bag, how many calories is that? Individualizing each ingredient. Again, did you hear your brain just now when I was describing that? Your your brain, if it's anything like my brain, was just like, wow, that's a lot. Just off to the aside here. My brain offers me that thought all the time. I'm learning to hear it for what it is. It's just a thought. It's just a thought that creates overwhelm and overwhelm is a feeling that stops me from doing anything exactly the way my brain is supposed to operate. I can hear that thought. I can observe that thought. I can feel the overwhelm in my body. Even right now, as I'm telling you this, I can feel it in my body. Completely okay to just feel the overwhelm and not respond to it. So that was essential skill number one, individualizing things that your brain would rather categorize. And then also the observation without action. Observing without acting I already talked about that a fair bit. I'm not going to belabor that point. Those are the two essential skills that you will develop as you practice counting the calories in your homemade foods. Here's the thing that I really want to offer you is that this is a practice, that this is something that you are not going to be good at the very first time, unless it's something that you've already been practicing. (laughs) That After listening to this podcast, you're going to sit down to try and do this. And your brain is going to offer you all the chitter chatter. Your body is going to offer you all the overwhelm. You're not going to want to do it. 
And then when you are doing it, it's going to feel all kinds of lousy and terrible. That's okay. This is a skill. These are skills, plural, that you are practicing. But let me paint you a picture of how and where this will show up in your life and how and where and why it will feel amazing after you practice this. Here's what you're doing. You are actually building confidence in yourself in a lot of different ways, but you are building confidence in yourself because doing something that your brain doesn't ordinarily want to do feels amazing when you do it. Like when your brain will offer you categories of things and you take the time to individualize the items after you work through all of the chitter chatter and the overwhelm, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I did that. Like there will actually be a feeling of I'm going to say pride because I like that word. If you don't like that word, you can say accomplishment or success, some other word that actually feels good to you. But there will be a sense of, oh my gosh, I just did something that was a little bit difficult that I had not done before. And that was pretty amazing of me. You will also really get in touch with your your brain and your body through this practice. Really taking the time to like listen to all the chitter chatter and feel the overwhelm will also be quite an accomplishment after you have practiced it. The more you practice it, the more confidence you will have that you can actually do this anywhere. The reason I suggest you start with your homemade meals is because you really are in control of those ingredients. Like you actually know which brand of ground beef you bought. You actually know which brand of garlic you use or... (laughs) I say brand because I buy the minced garlic. Just, the words were coming out of my mouth and I'm like, a better cook than me would buy raw garlic and actually chop it herself. I don't do that in case you didn't notice from our conversation today. I love my own food, but I'm also not a gourmet. I am not one of those people who starts with all oh, fresh ingredients from the butcher and the baker and the candlestick maker. I buy easy, convenient things. I throw them in a pan. I eat them. We're good. Anyways, you are in control of your ingredients, which means that you know exactly what's in it. Starting there can really build your confidence in these skills. And then, and then this is the fun part. You'll be able to go other places and do this exact thing. Here's my suggestion. Did you know that you can ask your hostess or host when you go someplace else for the recipe of what they made? Like, oh my gosh, this was so delicious. Will you share your recipe with me? And it's not necessarily because you ever want to cook it at home. It's because you'd like to know how many calories are in it. Did you know that once you have a sense of how things are put together because you already, I'm assuming, know how to cook, which is why you clicked on this in the first place. But when you know what kind of ingredients go where and how a thing is cooked, You could go to restaurants and make guesses. Oh, okay, well, here's this, and here's this, and here's this ingredient. They probably cooked it in oil, because they always do, or butter, they always do. They probably did this, they probably did that. You'll be able to tell how many calories. If they don't have it on the menu, or if they don't have it online, you'll be able to figure it out. You will always, every place you go, everything you eat will always know how many calories you're taking in. You will always be able to figure out a portion size that works in your target. Always. It's amazing, right? Just because 
you're willing to do these five steps just because you are willing to individualize when your brain would rather categorize just because you are willing to observe without action. These skills will literally take you everywhere. Boom. My friend, I really hope this was helpful for you today. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave a rating and review so other women of a certain age can stop struggling with the scale and start loving their menopausal bodies. And if you're ready to change your mindset while you're changing your weight, then it's time to get into the Get Your Goal Mastermind group, where you'll find my proven success formula, answers to your questions, expert coaching, and the community support you've been looking for. You don't need to lose weight alone when you can have fun and level up your mindset with friends. With weekly coaching calls, live journaling classes, and access to the tools and strategies I've used to help thousands of women lose weight for the last time, the Get Your Goal group is the place for you to get your goal. Learn more about group membership at www.getyourgoal.com. And I'll see you inside the group. 